This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, welcome everybody. Welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Today we are learning Le Refuash Lema for a Refuash Lema, an easy birth for Naomi Rachel Bat Tzipora. The topic tonight is why do bad things happen to good people? But also a very, very important aspect that we want to discuss tonight, the Ezrat Hashem, is can God remove that suffering? If God can do anything and everything, which we know He can, then can He remove the suffering? And if He can, then why doesn't He? A little bit of a philosophical question, but we, that's the plan to answer um, the, these two ideas um, today. So, when dealing on the question of why do bad things happen to good people, first we have to understand that 90% of times that people ask this question, it's not an intellectual question. It's an emotional question. Uh, you know, the... Think of it this way, you, you know, you see, you know, somebody who's sitting and crying, laying like on the floor in the funeral, and uh, crying and screaming, why, why, why did he die, why did he have to die? And then, uh, you know, you have a smart aleck that, you know, leans over and starts like tapping the person, excuse me, you know, it's like a second. So, and like, look up from there crying, like, yeah, what's, what's going on? Says, um, you're asking why, so... What happened was, he says, when he went, uh, you know, bungee jumping, they forgot to tie it, and then there's something called gravity, and that is why. And then the guy's like, what, are you kidding? And they still keep on crying, why, why, why? Like, I don't understand, I just answered his question, why is he so upset now? Because it wasn't a question, it wasn't an intellectual question, it was an emotional question. An emotional question doesn't warrant an intellectual response, it actually just warrants a, just, you know, they're looking for relief, is what they're looking for. When people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? In essence, they're not looking for an intellectual question. But we are going to attempt to answer this intellectually. To get this a little bit on the understanding on how this is an, an emotional question, the, you know, imagine the scenario. You're walking down the street, and you see somebody jump out of a second-story window and land like straight on its stomach. What is the first thing that you're going to go over to? What are you going to say? Okay. Are you okay? okay? What do you think he's going to be like? He'll be like, he'll be like oh, yeah. Uh, you know, funny story. So, um, you know, I get stressed a lot. I like to take a leap of faith, is what I call it. It happens about every Tuesday or Wednesday during the week. Um, the ear sort of, you know, relaxes me. Then the pavement sort of makes me forget about all my stress. So how are you doing? Yeah, that's not what we're expecting. So why do you... And in fact, if you ever took a CPR class, one of the first things you're supposed to do is, you know, you're supposed to there's, there's a guy who is either sleeping or in a coma or not responsive on the floor. What do you do? You tap the person. Hey, are you Okay. Be like, yeah, I'm just taking a quick snooze over here on King's Highway. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm just a little bit relaxing over here. So no, why we ask these questions, it's not a question. It's like, here's another scenario. You see somebody that, you know, like you, have, you haven't seen this person in a really, really long time. And then you see them and you're like, oh, okay, if I avoid eye contact, maybe they won't, you know. Like, you know, good New Yorkers. I don't know if you guys from Vegas want to understand that. But New Yorkers, we like to uh, uh, keep, keep to our uh, self, you know. So you have, and then like, oh man, you know, you caught eye contact. So as you're doing the walk pass by, you're doing, hey, how are you? You know, like, you don't, you be like, actually, I'm not that great. You know, <laughs> you're just like, you don't even stop. You're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> Thanks for good to catch, catching up. It's not a, it's not a time that you're looking, it's not a question that you're looking for a response. The, another proof that this is not so much as an intellectual question is when do people ask why do bad things happen to good people when you have like serious like someone who gives a lot of money lost all his money or somebody who is such a great person dies young or something along those lines yeah the holocaust you have so many other ideas the big things but if this is an intellectual question you should ask this if you stub your toe why do bad things happen to good people <laughs> you know you get a paper cup why do paper cup why do bad things happen to good people why is only the question when only when huge things happen 
And the answer is, it's because it's not so much the intellectual question that you're dealing with, it's really the emotional problem that you have that you're trying to deal with it. But today we're not going to deal with the, uh, you know, the emotional uh, question, we're going to deal with it on an intellectual level. So in order for this question to be valid, there are three things that need to be true about God for in order for this to work. Number one, God has to be all-knowing. Number two, God has to be all-good. Number three, God has to be all-powerful. If God does not have any one of these three things, He has to have all these three things. If He does not, then this question doesn't, uh, you know, is, is irrelevant. Because if God is not all-good, then why do bad things happen to good people? Because God enjoys, you know, when, when you know, people suffer. So God has to be all-good. God also has to be all-knowing. Because then if God is all-good, but He doesn't know whatever thing happens, so the question is, why do bad things happen to good people? I'll be like, well, you know, something slipped the radar. There's like 7 billion people in the world. There's a lot of things to take control. You know, you can't expect everything to happen. So God has to be all-knowing and all-good. And also, God has to be all-powerful. Because if you say that God's all-knowing and still all-good, but doesn't have the power or the ability to go and prevent something from happening, then, you know, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Because God saw it. God was not able to go and prevent it. So you need to have these three criteria. Does that make sense so far? You have to have, number one, you have to have that God is all good. Number two, God is all knowing. And number three, God is all uh, powerful. There is a uh, conservative rabbi who wrote a book about this, about why bad things happen to good people. And he you know, gave a completely terrible answer, a really terrible answer. And the answer was... Why, you know why bad things happen to good people? He actually wrote this book in response. He had a, you know, a, a son that died very young. So he wrote this book in response to, uh, into that. And he says, God really didn't cause the difficulties to occur. He just couldn't, you know, prevent it. That's this conservative rabbi's response to it, which is a hundred thousand percent wrong. It couldn't be more wrong, uh, than, than that. So, let us look at the, at the real orthodox way of how you're supposed to answer this question. And we're going to present, I would like to give maybe six answers. We'll see how, how far we get to, six, maybe seven answers uh, today on this question. Number one, the answer number one is we don't know the full picture. There's a story that Eliyahu once visited the uh, Chacham, the sage, Rabbi Yeshua. And Rabbi Yeshua was like, listen, he says, I know you, get, you, know, you do your travels. Can I tag along for the tour and see what you do? Uh, you know, he's talking about Eliyahu and Abi, Elijah the prophet, for all those who are... Um, so... He goes and he goes with, with Eliyahu, and Eliyahu says, fine, you could come along with me, not a problem, there's just one condition, there's no questions. Once you ask a question, the, store, the tour stops here. So he says, fine, not a problem. Then they go and they travel, on the first stop, they go and they enter this, this really poor, dilapidated house of an elderly couple. And they come in and they say, you know, we're here, we're traveling, can we please have some food, maybe a place to stay. And they're like, of course, and this elderly couple goes and, and brings them in and they host them like five stars to the best of their ability. And they give them all the food that they have. They even take the beds that they have, the elderly couple, and says, you sleep on it because you guys are wandering, you guys are traveling. We are, you know, going to live here, we're going to have another night's sleep, you know, tomorrow. You take this, the beds for tonight. So they go, and they sleep in the bed, they eat the meal, and in the morning, Rabbi Yeshua hears Eliyahu Navi go and start praying to God. He says, God, please let their only cow that they get their sustenance from, please let it die. And a few seconds go by, the old man comes in screaming, he's like, oh my God, the cow, our cow just died. And they leave. So, you know, Rabbi Yeshua was like, he's like, are you serious? He's like, what's going on over here? He says, this cow, like, why did it die? Like, this is such a great cow. But he knew that if he would go and he would start asking questions, that would be the end of the tour. So he says, fine, you know what? 
I'm not, uh, I'm not going to say anything. He goes and he keeps, uh, he keeps on traveling and they, they meet up with this very wealthy, you know, businessman who's building a huge mansion. And they go and they say, you know, can we please stay over here for the night? We don't have a place. Can we have some food? And the guy was so busy with the construction of the workers. He's like, listen, I, I don't have time for this right now. I'm sorry. No, you cannot stay over here. Please leave. And they tried asking again and they refused. So they ended up having to sleep outside during that cold winter night. In the morning, the Eliyahu wakes up and he goes and he prays. He says, please let it that the angels will come and build up his whole mansion. And the angels came and suddenly in the morning already, the whole thing was already built. So Rabbi Shua was like, okay, listen. He's like, he's like, I need to know what's going on over here. So Eliyahu said, listen, I could tell you what's going on over here, but then the, the tour is over. You know, you, you got to go back home after that. He says, fine, you guys just got to explain to me. He says, I don't understand. The first couple, they were so nice and they did so much for us and you caused their cow to die. The second, the second person, he was so mean and evil that you caused, you know, all the angels to come and build his, uh, his construction all the way up. So Eliyahu Nabi says that the old couple, he says it was time for the woman to die. And she was an elderly woman, it was time for her to, you know, return her soul to her maker. But because they were so nice, and all the chesed that they did, he says, I wanted her to get a little bit more life. So I prayed to God that instead of her dying, let the cow die. And that's why I prayed that the cow should die. He says, this man, he was very wicked and very evil, but I knew that under this construction site, there was a vast treasure. It's going to make him an extremely, extremely wealthy man, more than he is right now. He says, because he's such a disgusting person, he says, I didn't want him to have it. He says, so I prayed to God, let the angels come so he doesn't even have to break ground, and that everything comes over there so he doesn't gain... Uh, the treasure that's under there. So we see over here that sometimes what appears to be bad or what appears to be good is actually deceiving because we don't know. We don't know the full story. You walk into, let's say you never, you know, know anything about doctors or hospitals and you walk in, you like live in a tribe in Africa that they have no running water, no, no, there's like nothing of nothing and you know the National Geographic people. So you go over there and they bring a person to New York, they bring him to like, I don't know, they go to NYU and they bring him, first stop is a surgery. They're seeing a surgery and see a surgeon with like masks, looks like ninjas and they're going to go and they're cutting a person open with a knife. What, you ask this person, what's going on over here? Be like, these people are murderers and they're crazy. They're trying to kill somebody. But in essence, these are doctors who are actually saving a person's life. So when we're seeing a scene, when you see something, you don't see the full picture. You see just what it is right now. How many times were there that there were so many great things that you thought happened to you, but it ends up turning really bad? Or how many bad things happened to you, and it really turned out to be really good? People think, we're going to use uh, you know, a different variety of examples throughout the class. We're going to be focusing a lot on money, because you know, when dealing with money, everybody's like, you know, you know, everyone's like, just forget about health, forget about shalom bai, especially for the men. I don't know, I speak mostly to the men. right? If, the second that you speak anything about school out for money, they're like, what? Who do we got to kill? Put the blood where? And jump out of where? Okay. You know, I gotta, you know, they'll wear ribbons around their arms and they'll choke themselves with blue and high necklaces and they'll put money tied on all the stuff in their car just for the possible, you know, of a, of a, keeping Shabbat, no, no, come on, relax, all right, is it school for money? Uh, you know, happens to be it is, but, um, so, if, so, you know, if somebody, let's say, goes, and let's, so let's use the example, thank you, of money. So somebody goes and he has a lot of money. That looks, thank you, that looks like a very good blessing. He has a lot of money. But let's say what happens is because he has money, the wife doesn't need to work. Because the wife doesn't need to work, she starts getting bored. She hangs around and the husband gets a little bit fishy and she does a little fishy things. And because there's a, there's some stuff going on in the, in the parent, you know, parents, the kids see this. Then the kids, you know, start, you know, they have the money so they hang out with the wrong crowd. Then they get, you know, into drugs and then they go and then he is so upset about all this, what's going on. So he gets into gambling. Long story short, they're a divorce couple with the drug addicts and he's addicted gambler. Why? Because they had money. Now, does this happen to every rich person? No. 
But who is to say that just because something happened, you don't see the full picture. Just because you have money doesn't mean that that's really for the best. We have to see at the end. But in essence, really, everything is for the best. But you don't know that until you actually see it. So the good parts, we don't have to talk about. But the bad parts, we have to figure out why is that and how is that for the best. There was once a... Um, I actually read this story in uh, you know a, di- a few different uh, places. That um, so whenever you read a story and it's a few different places, I know for me I'm like okay fine now I have to say it because obviously God's like sending signs. I'm like well you know different angles. I got the same story. So there was once a there was once a family that um, was traveling on a plane. And for whoever ever ever you know went on a plane, there's always like somebody who's like really loud. You know like really you know like they could be watching their movie on the thing and they're like. <laughs> It's like all dark and like everything is this and like everybody wakes up and like what's going down? The killings going down? I was like, no, the guy just you know saw a cartoon. I don't know, a cat ran into something. So the there, and there's sometimes there's families that they you know they work together as a clan to become you know the loudest people on the plane. So there's one particular flight that this family happened to be uh, you know a little bit more into the louder side. Uh, you know where the kids tried to test how hard they could kick the seat and the guy in the front of them with you know maybe knocking off his hat. You know fun games. So. They, um, they're flying on this, on this, uh, you know, flight, and they're traveling, you know, overseas. Halfway through, the captain goes over the loudspeaker, and he says, uh, is there any uh, doctors on board? And, uh, you know, no one, no one stands up. So, this flight obviously wasn't going to Israel. So, um, then he goes, and he says, is there any, one person got it, all right. So, <laughs> so. Then he goes and he says uh, a few minutes later, "Is there any medical professional at all on on, you know on you know on the flight?" No one answers. It's like, is there anybody who ever read a medical book? Like, does anybody know anything about anything? No one's answering. So he, um, the you know, a few minutes go by, and they see that the stewardess keeps on walking past by to this young woman that's sitting next to this loud family and asking her question, and then going back to the captain, going then back to the captain. So eventually, the uh, the captain goes on the loudspeaker and he says. Listen, um, you know, due to a possible medical emergency, we are going to have to make a detour, and we're going to have to land in this uh, in, in this country to uh, to make sure that this is not any any serious issues. So people are like, okay, what are you supposed to do? It's a medical emergency, you know, you got you got to do. It. Except for one family, and they're like, oh, come on, you know, we have our chauffeur waiting for us, you know, at, at our destination. We have reservations, we have this in our vacations, and they go to this woman who obviously was what. He's like, are you okay? And basically the same thing, and she's like, yeah, you know, like. She said she's okay. We could keep on going. Now this is one, you know, the backseat driver. This is a backseat flyer. Um, she goes in and she's like, "It's okay. We can go." Um, and the steward is like, "No, the captain made the decision, and he's going to, uh, you know, we're going to make the detour." And they're like, "Are you serious?" Like, we paid for the flight just as much as she did, and she said she's okay. Why can't we go? And going back and forth, back and forth. Um, eventually, it was you know they were becoming this this big ruckus, and the you know the pilot has to come out of out of cockpit, right? So the pilot, you know, right now it's like you know this is like Air Force One cockpit, you know, like there's like you know fingerprint and the eye scan and a blood sample, and then the, you know then he opens up and he comes out and he's like, listen, woman, he says we are going to get you know get off over here, or you know the the only difference is you might stay over there for disturbing the peace on, on the plane, and she's quiet, you know, and like no, no, it's fine, <laughs> peanuts, please, you know. Um, so they go and they la- and they land in this uh, as they as they land in this uh, you know nearby uh, country. The you saw like the ambulance, a fire engine. You know, it's not like one. It's not, there's never like one ENT unless maybe you're landing in a place in Mexico. There's a guy with like you know a little you know woo, woo, you know on the thing over there with a van. You know, 
And he had like planted a sticker of like a plus sign of it, like you know, ambulance. So you know, but this was like there was a there was a fleet of, of ambulances over here, paramedics. I don't know if they got doctors. And the second that the plane came to a stop, they didn't even have the taxi. They just like everybody just came on the board. They went straight to the woman. They put her on the stretcher and they brought her down. They rest, started running some tests. While they're running some tests, everyone was sitting on the flight to see if they could just go back on the plane, if she could go back on the plane, or she has to stay over here. While they're running some tests. The father of this family is, you know, feels a little bit lightheaded. He's like, you know, so he calls, he asks for a drink. He gets a drink. As he's drinking the drink, he falls down. He collapses. And, you know, so everyone starts screaming. He's like, you know, EMT, you know, ambulance. I don't know. Maybe they said, I don't know whoever was there on the plane. And the people come running back on. Within 30 seconds, they see him on the floor. They bring him right down to the ambulance and they start also performing some tests. A short while later, they come up and they say to the, the girl who was initially was, was, not a, was, was a problem, she said, listen, you're going to be okay, you could go back on the plane, but this guy, he has to go get, get admitted into the hospital. And they called, the whole family came on, on uh, you know, off the plane, and they, went and, they, and they went and they drove in the ambulance together to the, um, to the hospital. As they're driving, the EMT says, says, you know, your father suffered a tremendous, crazy heart attack, a heart attack that... If we wouldn't have been there in the time span then we, that took us to get there, he would have for sure died. If he would have been on the plane, you guys would have not been alive. He would not have been alive. And she says, the empty goes on and says, the only reason that he's alive right now is because they, they, they had to bring the plane down because of that other passenger. It's like, isn't that crazy? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, like obviously embarrassed about the whole thing. So over here, we see this story over here that they thought it's the worst thing that's possible. They're going to ruin their flight. They're going to ruin their whole party, their whole vacation. Meanwhile, the fact that it landed and it went a detour and it took them away from their destination was the biggest present and the biggest gift that they could possibly ask for because this saved their father's life. And how many times in life does things happen where like, oh, come on, you know, why did it happen? Just wait 30 seconds later and be like, oh, okay, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, like, all right, thank you, God. There was once a young man who went over to his rabbi crying, very depressed. He's like, he's a like, rabbi, I don't understand. He says, you know, I'm about Chuba. Um, he didn't have to tell it to the rabbi because the rabbi knew him, but I'm telling you. He was about Chuba. And he goes and he says, you know, it's very hard for me to date and find a, uh, find a, find a girl. Finally, after, after years and years of dating, I finally found the, I, I found the one, the perfect one. He says, I agreed to get married, she agreed to get married, then we went to meet the parents, and the father started questioning me. He says, you know, started questioning, things were going good, until he asked me, he says, so what do you do? So he says, oh, you know, I learned a lot. I said, and you sure I learned a lot. So he says, uh, and how are you going to support my uh, daughter? He says, uh, you know, uh, you know I'll, I'll find a job. Father was not happy with that, and he was like, you know, ask a few more questions. He's like, this marriage is uh, no longer continuing. He says, I don't want my daughter to be, you know, one of the, one, you know, one of those. She's like, and they broke off the entire engagement. And he goes over to the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, I don't understand. He says, didn't you tell me that if you do anything for God ever, if you do anything good, you don't get hurt from it? He says, I lost my my soulmate. I lost the one for it. How is it possible over here? So the rabbi says, listen, I don't know the full story. He says, but one thing is, you're right. You didn't lose out from it. You'll see. I don't know about today. I don't know about tomorrow. But trust me, you didn't lose out from it. The guy had a very hard time getting up from it. And uh, he was depressed for a little bit. A few months later, he got out of it. He started dating again. Within about a year, he ended up finding another girl. And he ended up uh, getting married to her. Under, right before the chupah, he goes over to the rabbi, who was still his rabbi, and he goes and he says, you know, rabbi, he says, when I, you know, first found the first girl, he says, I really thought that she was the one and she was perfect. I could not imagine that I would find a better girl. And he says, and, and the girl that I have now, he says, I would never have dreamed in a million years that such a girl existed. I am so blessed. And now, now I see that everything that God did was really for the best. The fact that I didn't get her was really so much for the best because I got here so much better. The story's not over there. Yet. Bless you. He goes and, uh, bless you. They, 
Gesundheit, Labriot. Okay, so he goes and he says, uh, and, and, and the other girl also, within a year, she also, the first, uh, the first girl also ended up getting married. Two years go by, this guy's happily married, has a kid, another one on the way, and the other, the other girl, it turns out that she got divorced. How did he know about it? Because it was all over the news. What happened was, is that this girl was also a Baal but she did something in her younger years, um, and let's just call her a convict, a uh, fugitive, you know, one of those words, uh, whichever they want. Somehow she did it, and somehow she got away with it. But they ran open this investigation, and they found out that it was her. And no, like her husband didn't even know about this. No one knew about this. It was, it was, and it was something serious enough that because of that, he divorced. He's like, Are you, you did what? And he just he divorced her, uh, you know, because of that, uh, because of that scenario. So then he goes back to the rabbi. He says, you know, I thought that I already realized the full answer. It's like you never realize the full answer all the way until the end. Only until 120. When you, even when you think that you see the best, you really don't even know half of it. Half of it is really just hidden and under it. Uh, under at all, the <clears throat> there's another you know idea on this that you have you know I, I know people that have a lot of money and because they have a lot of money they actually do sins they do sins that they couldn't have done if they didn't have the money which means is there are certain people that they would love to sin they really would they, you know they try hard but they don't have the means to get to it but all of a sudden now they have the money now they're able to do it and the same person. Would, if he has the money, he would do the sin. If he doesn't have the money, he just has, doesn't have the ability to do, to do the sin. And when, when you think about it like this, so if God's giving that person money, you think that's a good thing. But in essence, it's really a bad thing because this person's going to end up sinning. And he's going to get punished for that sin. As opposed to even the fact that he really wanted to do the sin. I, you know, that's, that's a punishment in itself. But the fact that he couldn't actually get to do the sin is already a, a benefit in itself. The... You know, you look at at celebrities, for example. There, there are so many. When I was doing, uh, you know, research for this uh, for this class, I was um, going and I was looking at celebrities that I did two researches. One of them was celebrities that committed suicide, and number two is celebrities that were on depression. The ones that are on depression, the list was so long. I'm like, I, I'm not even bothering with it. Like, okay, it's like lo- I mean, the suicide list, unfortunately, is also very long. But the, the, the depression was also, you know, very long. And you had drug problems that just came up also, like people that have serious, serious drug addiction as celebrities. Now. A drug addiction, depending on the drug, is in a very expensive addiction. If these celebrities didn't have the money, you think they would be able to go, you know, get it? Some of them, yeah, they work really hard, they'll steal, they'll do other stuff to get the money. But other of the ones cannot get, cannot get the, the resources to go and get these drugs. So the fact that they became a celebrity, they became all wealthy and powerful, led them to their situation right now. Now, when, when looking at like people that committed suicide or overdose, you have, and I took a few of them, I'll, I'll list over some, some names. Uh, most recent one is Robin Williams. Uh, another one is Kurt Cobain. I think he was a singer, or, or maybe he was an actor, I don't know. Um, singer. Singer. Okay, Bo Hashem. All right. Good knowledge we have here. Okay. Um, you have Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, Michael Jackson. Some of them overdosed, some of them obviously wasn't, it wasn't a, a happy ending. And the list goes on. The list goes on and on. Now, if let's say you go to these celebrities and you go to them before they before they get you know all famous and they say, listen, I have two options for you. Number one, you can live a normal life. You'll be able to pay your bills. You're not going to be famous. You're not going to have power. You're not going to have all the money, but you'll live a normal life and you'll have a, you'll live a happy life. Scenario number two is you'll be a celebrity, and these are big celebrities. These are these are people that apparently went up all the way you know to the top of there. So, by the way, a celebrity you should know a celebrity that has money technically has everything that they want in the physical world. I'm not talking about the emotional things, but from the from desires, honor, they have honor. 
The second that you know they go anywhere, everyone's taking pictures of them. Everyone listens to them. You have celebrities all of a sudden. They're politicians. Like you read scripts. You know, stick to reading scripts. So why all of a sudden you're giving a world advice to doctors? You know, because you played a doctor once. Um, so the you have them. So they have honor. They have the honor. They have the money, and they also have the power. They could say they have a whole strong following online or whatever it is on the thing. They say one thing, everyone goes and listens to them. So they have everything that a person really chases after. So you go to them and say, listen, you have all that, or you can have a little normal life and not worry about it, you know, not have the depression, the suicide, the, all those things. If you ask them, what would many say? Unfortunately, many would still say, you see what people nowadays do for a few extra 100,000 views on their uh, YouTube channel or anything on their social media. I don't know what the other ones, Twitter and uh, um, uh, whoever cares about anything else. Uh, so they, you know, they have these, these options that they'll say, okay, I'll, I'll leave that. But you ask any sane, normal person that wants you know, the most out of life, what would you choose? Be like, one thing leads to depression. Oh, by the way, I, I asked this once, that guy, and they were like, so what age is this depression and the suicide kicking in? I'm like, you're not ready for life. Like, you're not, I'm like, I would say not ready. You're like not ready for, like, nothing. Like, you have to, you start kindergarten again, right? If this is a question, like, okay, maybe it's worth it if I can, you know, live for like 25 years in this nice, powerful thing. So, okay, so I'll give up another 25 years. I'm like, you don't know what life is all about if you're willing to give up 25 years for just, you know, to live a life of 25 years of money and depression. But most people would choose what? Would choose the more happier and simpler life. Now, you ask this to a Jew, what is a Jew going to say? I want both. You know, two pleased to go. Yeah, I want, I want both. Why can't I have both? And you could, you could, you could have both. But who is to say that you had the ability to choose, and who is to say that you didn't choose this? Which leads me to my next very, very important, uh, you know, question and you know, side topic is the people that say I didn't ask for this test. How many times do I get it? Any time that I get, I speak to a person who's depressed or an, an, anybody who has an anxiety, any emotional issue, one of the first things that usually comes up is, and, and it's not saying it's always. I would say like ninety percent of the time, I didn't ask for this test. I'm like, oh, really? How do you know you didn't answer this? Well, I, you know, I got to be careful how you answer that. You don't, yeah, you know, these people are obviously emotionally unstable. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, you do. Um, uh, you just don't know. So the 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 idea by by you don't understand the knowing that that you add, that you chose this life. So think of this scenario, for example. And you have these many people that, uh, you know, when you're dealing with suicidal, and by the way, I'm not playing, you know, light on any of these issues. All these issues are extremely, extremely serious and extremely, extremely severe and have to be treated and treaded very, very carefully on these issues. And I'm not trying to make light of anything. God forbid. These issues, these issues are very serious and have to be handled accordingly. But you go to somebody and they usually say, you know, like, you know, why did God have to create me? I'd rather not be created. And they're suicidal and they don't, they don't want to live anymore. The, think of the scenario like this. You um, you get drugged up and you wake up in this huge maze, right? So far, the story is great, right? You get you're drugged up and you wake up in this maze and you're like, you know, you start screaming. You can't climb up. The walls are really, really high, but you know, there's you can see it's a huge maze. And as you're screaming, help, help, get me out of here! A paper floats down from you know from the skies and lands very neatly on your lap. And you go and you read it and it says like, you know, you're in a maze right now. Um, if at any point in time you want to get out, you can say, you know, this is the code word. I don't know, banana, banana, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, and then you get out. Or he says, if you finish the maze, you get a prize worth more than $100,000. All right, I'm going to do the maze. Right? You, know, you keep on going, going through the maze. And you're like, 100 grand, okay, I could, I could do a maze. Um, and as, as you're going through the maze, you're getting tired, you're getting, hang, you know, hangry. What is that the right word? Hangry. Um, and you're, you know, hungry and angry um, or, and, and thirsty. And then you have a headache. But then you're like, you know what? A hundred grand, you know, uh, you know, until the point comes. And you're like, listen, you know, you have a money, you have a business. You're not, the hundred grand is not going to be, you're like, you know what? 
I'm done. I'm done. And, you know, you scream the code, the, the, the code word, and you're like, get me out of here. I'm not interested anymore. Hours, hours. It's a headache. No interest in it. So a paper flo- floats down and says, uh, if you continue the maze, the prize is greater than $5 million. <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep on going. And uh, you go, and, and you keep on going, and then you have to, like, you know, there's an obstacle, you have to jump over it, you jump, you didn't make it so well, and you fell on your arm, and you know from your little medical experience is that the arm is broken, and it's bleeding, and it's, you know, it's very, you know, you're like, $5 million, you know, I can't, I need to go to the hospital, you, you the code word, you start screaming it out, I need to get out of here. And the paper falls down, and it says, the, your, the, the prize, if you win, this is more than $25 million. <laughs> So you're like, never mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still go through it. Right? And then you rip your shirt, you make a bandage, you make a thing, whatever. You become a doctor on the road uh, without borders. So you go and you, go and you make the thing. You make the, that means it was a good joke. That's good. So, so I take it as a compliment. So uh, he goes and he says, uh, he says I'm still going to go on it. And he still keeps on going. Now, no matter what happens, the worst that happens, imagine a paper folds down again and says, and keeps on just adding a zero to it. They'll keep on saying, no matter how bad it is, be like, okay, I'm going to still go for it. So what do we see over here? The fact that you have a test in life, the only reason why you think that it's not worth it is because you don't know the reward. But if a paper will fall down and be like, hey, by the way, for this little suffering that you're going to, you're going to be making 10 grand. You're like, oh, that's not a problem. This little bigger suffering, you're making $10 million. You, when you think about it, like we say, we didn't ask for this test. Yeah, maybe you didn't, but you don't even know what's, good, what's the reward for it. How can you go and give up when you don't know the final ending of it? So... This, and the truth is, is that before we come down to this world, we do sign off in our life. We do, you know, you have a signature and be like, this is your signature, you know, like you, you, actually, signed, you actually signed off on everything that's going to happen in your life because this is something that you need to do to fix. You need to be in this particular situation, in this particular family, in this particular society, in this particular mindset. Everything has to come in for a reason. Nothing is just, a, you know, nilly-willy. The, I, I actually said this, you know, I was, I was contemplating. I said this story before, and the laws is of, of like, you know, public speaking. It's very serious rules. Um, you're not allowed to repeat stories. Because if you do, um, it's like the end. You know, like that's terrible. You repeat a joke, forget about suicide. Um, but, again, I'm making a joke of those things. I should have to keep my, you know, make my words uh, more careful. So, but I'm going to repeat this story that I said before. Only uh, because it has such an important uh, impact on what we're speaking now. There was once a guy who needed a job, and he needed a, um, he, he needed, you know, he was, his bills were piling up, the, you know, the, he, he needed money, he needed it fast. So, he goes, he starts making phone calls, he's not getting, finally he gets a job offer. And this job offer is that he has to be in a certain place from 10 a.m., and then he works until 6, uh, 6 p.m., and he's making roughly about $3,000, you know, a month. Nothing close to what he needs for his bills and his, and his things, but at least it's something. So he really needs a job, he takes a job. Now, in order for him to get to the job, he has to leave his house at 9 a.m., he has, and, and then, well, actually, he has to get, catch the bus at 9 a.m. There's a 40-minute bus ride, and then there's a 20-minute walk. And that's how every day for the first week, he's going, catches a 9 a.m. bus, goes and travels for 40 minutes, and then he goes and he walks, and he's, every day he's on time at 10 a.m. One day, he's running a little bit late. He's like, listen, there's no way I'm making it to the 9, uh, you know, 9 a.m. bus. And he says, you know what, fine, what am I going to do? I'll make the 9.20 bus. I'll show up 20 minutes late to work. And he goes, and he's running, he's rushing, he gets a little bit delayed. He shows up around the corner for the bus stop at 9.20 sharp. And he sees just as he runs the corner, the 9.20 bus is about to leave. So he's running after the bus. He's like, I need this job. You know, he's like screaming, you know, like obviously like, you know, psychotic things that no one understands what he's talking about. Throwing his tie at the bus, trying to get an attention. Nothing doing, the bus goes. 
So he goes and he's sitting over there. And he's, first of all, what is it? What, of course, what is it? Why do bad things happen to good people? <laughs> he goes and he says, uh, and, and he's sitting on the bus over there, very, very, you know, depressed, sitting down over there, and. Uh, 9.30 comes, he knows he has to wait another 10 minutes, 9.40 is the next bus, every 20 minutes, and he goes, 9.30, suddenly he hears a honk, you know, and someone calls his name, and he looks up, and it's his very close friend, you know, from, from high school, and he's like, he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, what are you doing here? He's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be passing by, and I'm going to X, Y, and Z, you know, certain area, so he got, the guy in the car says, where are you going to? And he says, I'm going to travel, you know, I need to go to my work over there, he's like, listen, that's on the way, hop in, I'll take you there, it's about a half hour ride. He's like, you should have boxed you it's like unbelievable. You know, so he gets into the car. Now he's thinking the fact that he missed the 920 bus was it good or bad? It was good because if he got the 920 bus, he would have only got to work at 1020. But now the fact that he missed the bus, now that he got the, the ride, now he's going to actually make it on time. Okay, so let's continue the story. He goes on and he travels at 930. They get 935. They get on the highway. Uh, 940, the car was a little bit of an older car. And for some reason, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the wheel just decided to go that way and the car just <laughs> went this way. And, uh, you know, so the wheel just like, you know, just decided to go somewhere else. And because of that, the car, you know, lost control and it flipped over like many times. He's sitting over there. He was wearing seatbelts, so we all know everybody's okay. Um, so he's wearing, you know, every, you know, nothing, you know, nothing happened, but ambulances came, the fire engine came. They were literally, you know, crushed, you know, upside down. They pull him out and, you know, of course, they ask, are you okay? They're like, yeah, I love going over. It's like a roller coaster. Um, so he goes, right after this class, you're not going to ask people, are you? You should still ask people, are you okay? It's a polite thing to do, all right? Still do it. So he goes and he, and he says, um, and, and they say, yeah, I, you know, I'm fine. I, I really need to get to work. You know, it's like, you know, 10 to 10 now. They're like, you know, dude, you just flipped over like eight times. Relax about work right now. And he's like, keep on. He's like, I need the money. I need, you know, I need. So they're like, they took, they, they ran some tests, the EMTs, and they're like, listen, he says, you look pretty okay, but, you know, we got to take you in. You, you know, you've been in the serious car accident, you have to come in. He's pushing, he's like, well, he says, listen, go in and then call your boss. It's going to be okay. You rolled over a few times. You know, it's not going to be, a, you know, the, the biggest deal. So he says, fine. He goes into the hospital. He figures they're going to be there an hour or two. They're going to run some tests and he's going to go out. They run some tests and uh, let's pause it for right now. The fact that he got a ride with his friend, was that good or bad? Bad. He got into a car accident, right? Before, the, so let's take it from the beginning again from the beginning, right? It, the fact that he went and he missed the bus seemed bad. But then he found a ride, seemed good. Then he got in a car accident, so the ride seemed bad. So we're so far, right now, where the story we are right now, it seems pretty bad. So he goes and he gets into the, the ambulance. Now, the fact that he went into the ambulance was already, he's like, I can't believe, it's already bad for him. He says, I don't want to go to the ambulance, I feel fine. So another bad thing. He goes and he gets to the, um, to the hospital, they run some tests, and they say, listen, uh, we can't let you, get, you go out. There's some sort of, uh, you know, we have to just make sure to monitor for no interior, uh, in, internal bleeding. He says, you can't, you can't leave yet. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. He says, I need to go back to work. I, I can't. And they're like, listen, our medical you know, judgment is strongly, strongly telling you, stay put. Not knowing what to do, he stays in the hospital and he gets admitted. He's sitting over there bemoaning his, his ill fortune, fortune, and he's sitting over there and he's, you know, the, in the hospitals they have um, this privacy policy, which is unbelievable, it's great. So between you and your neighbor, there's a shower curtain. Um, <laughs> and um, so, you know, which is, you know, just to make sure that there's, you're able to breathe, so there's holes everywhere. So, um, and, and his, somebody came to visit his neighbor, and he hears him, you know, like, he's like, wow, that voice sounds so familiar. So, you know, he's like, the guy's talking, he's like, I know this guy from somewhere. And he looks over, and he opens up the curtain, and he sees over there, it's his best friend from college. He's like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, what's going on? And he's like, what are you doing over here? He's like, ah, don't worry about it. long stories. Like, oh, and they start catching up. And they start catching up, so what do you do, you know, what, what do men talk about? You know, second, you see a guy, you know, you know, I don't know what girls talk about. One of the first things, so what do you do, you know? 
I, I, you know, I think I've asked this, uh, you know, to my wife. It says, so what is comparable to a woman, you know, in that? And I forgot what she said. I, I want to say something with weight, but, uh, you know, i got to be careful on that. But uh, um, something along those lines. So they don't speak. It's just, you know, like, uh-huh, okay. How many kids you said you had? Uh, round off the fat factor, you know, like, and, uh, you know, so, so, anyways, the, so the guy says, what do you do? So they start talking about what, what, the, what they, uh, um, you know, what, what, what each one did. And then the guy who came to visit said, listen, he says, you know, um, I know you have a job now. It seems like you have a pretty good job. And he's like, yeah, I have a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, you, know, you know, I started a business a few years ago in Bochum. It's, it's really expanding. He says, and I'm looking for, for, uh, you know, for a manager for, for one of my departments. He says, and I could use a guy like you. He says, I remember, you're, you're a good guy. I could use a guy like you. He says, I don't know what you're making over there, but why didn't you say you come work for me? I'll pay you 10 grand a month. So like any good Jewish person, you know, you're, gonna, you're not going to be like, yes, yes, I'll take it, you know. Praise the Lord, you know. No, no, no. See, what do you say right away? You'll be like, okay, okay, let me think. I have to, you know, like, all right, you are a good friend. But like, all of a sudden, you're doing him a favor, you know, like, you know what? I really like you. Fine, okay. You know what? You know, let's do it. And, you sh- and, and you're shaking it. Now let's take the story again from the beginning. The fact that you, lo- that you missed the 920 bus, was that good or bad? It was good. Because then you got a ride from your friend, which was bad or good, was good. Then you got into an accident, was it bad or good? Good. You know, no health issues. And then you got into a car accident, which was also good. Then you got into the ambulance, which was also good. Then you got into the hospital, which was also good. So we see over here, everything that looked bad at the end was really good. So why are you complaining? Why are you sweating it when you don't know the full story? You don't know the ending of it. There's many things in life that we go and we say, oh God, why did you do this to me? Why don't you relax a second? You just saw the preview. Wait until the, you see the full picture. So there was once a, um, you know, this idea... There's once a... Oh, what? It's so late. Oh my gosh. What are we going to do? Really? Yeah. We, we just you know, did the introduction. Okay. So, <laughs> so maybe it's a two-parter. So the, 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 there was once a... Um, there's two beggars, paupers. Um, poor people. I don't know how you want to translate this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? There's a certain time where you could just stop, but I just go. All right. So uh, they go, and one was a Jew, one was not. They were both German. And so they, you know, the, the German Jew says to his German non-Jewish, uh, you know, friend, partner, whatever you want to call it, he says, listen, Passover is coming up, pretend to be a Jew, and then you will go and you'll be able to get, you know, into the Passover Seder, and you'll have, like, the best, you know, you'll have the meal, it's four cups of wine, you know, and there's, like, meat, and there's, it's, like, everything that you want. And the guy's, like, drooling, he's like, oh, four cups of wine, you're like, and you're like, yeah, yeah trust me, be Jew. so what do I have to be Jewish? Just, just put on a yarmulke, you know, put on a kippah, he found the kippah that says, you know, Temple Beth Kel, whatever it is, you know, Shalom uh, Institute. And uh, he goes and he, you know, he sits, they both wait in the, in the synagogue after the prayers to get picked up, to get taken. Unfortunately, they were separated and they each went their, their own way. Now, we're all here, we're familiar with the Passover Seder. So, but if you're never familiar with the Passover Seder, just picture this from a eye point, from a viewpoint that no, you've never been there. So you sit down, like nice dishes. Everyone there is like they're really, you know, they're like the Harry Potter cloaks and white, you know, with you know, they're all ready to like do stuff. And you know, there's like cups of wine filled up, and then there's like you know, nice you know, good dish. It seems like something is burned. There's an egg there. There's some celery. You know, you don't know what's going on, but there's something up there. So you're like, oh, excellent. This is gonna be great. This, you know, this guy's mouth is watering. All of a sudden, they start handing pamphlets. He's like, he's like, what's what's the reading material for? He's like, what what are we reading over here? So uh, they're like, you know. He's like, is this like a playbill? Like, what are we doing? So he goes and he doesn't say anything. He's a guest over there. So they open up to page one. 
And then all the kids start asking questions. And the guy's like, you know, like, you know, it's like an hour. And they just, you know, they're still reading over there. And he's like, meanwhile, sweating. He's like starving. He's like, let's go. Let's get the food on over there. He's like, what's with these Jewish people? Why can't they just eat, um, uh, you know, normally? So he goes and uh, a short while later, finally, the first dish comes out. Everyone gets a piece of celery about this big. You know, or a potato, depending on where you're coming from, and uh, you know, and some cry water, um, uh, salt water, right? You got some, some of that. And the guy is looking at it. He has like a dish here, a little cup of, of salt water, and this little little thing over here. He's like, "What are we doing with this?" He's like, "Are we baking now?" And he's like, uh, "He's like, no, you dip, you know, dip it in the thing, and then and then you eat it." Um, and he's like. He's like, he puts it in his mouth. He's like, I have a, you know, another one. Oh, well, hi, you can't, you know, you can't, we can't eat another one. You have to only one, you know, only one. He's like, he's like, that was it? That was, he's like, he's like, that's the, you know, I was like, what's going on over here? So he waits, he keeps his mouth shut. The next dish comes out. And it's, you know, this is some, uh, you know, green leaf with some spicy herb on it, you know, and that looks like mud all together with it. And they're like, here, you know, eat this. He takes a bite out of it. He's starving. He puts the whole thing in his mouth. Some people are very careful on how spicy it needs to be. Like everybody around the table needs to cry. If they don't cry from the tears of it, that's a terrible thing. So he's sitting over here. Steam is coming out of his, you know, his ears. He's looking over here. He's like, these Jews are crazy. He's like, you know, he spits it out. He closes his playbill. He closes his book. He gets out of there. He's like, you Jews are crazy. Well, he says it in German. It's like, your Jews are crazy. And he runs out. He goes over there and he runs back to the synagogue and he waits for the friend. The friend doesn't show up till like 1.30 in the morning. The friend, you know, rolls in like a little bit tipsy, you know, like a full belly. And he's like, so was your meal also awesome? He's like, who did you go to? He says, you know, I went to, you know, I know some Amish people. They're making plays and they're doing things. I don't know what's going on over here. He says, you got food? He says, what, you didn't get any food? He says, yeah, I, listen, after, the, after I ate that the spicy celery, I was like, this is all that they're feeding me. I'm getting out of here. He's like, you idiot, you fool. He says, if you would have waited a little bit, you would have gotten the big course, the big meal. He says, why did you leave so early? He says, only afterwards is going to be the big course. Many times in life, we go and we go to God and we say, this is a story, by the way, of Nachman Mebreslev. I added some details, but there's a general story. It says, he, you know, he, 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 you say like many times in life, you know, we become better, we become religious, and we come and we're like, God, Where's my Bugatti? Where's my Lamborghini? Where is the husband? Where is the wife? Where is the Panasa? Where is everything? And where is it? We're not going. God's like, relax. You're just getting a taste of it. You didn't even get to the main course yet. Hold on a second. Wait a second. Good is going to come. Just relax and wait. This is, uh, this is the answer that we gave number one. So number one is, we don't know. You say it's bad. How do you know? Wait until the full, you got the full picture. Okay. Six more answers to go, right? Okay, let's see. <laughs> we're we're going to see how far we get. We're going to go a little bit more. If anybody has to leave because it's getting late, you know, by all means, I understand. It's okay. The answer number two is that we need to correct something. There's a reason why we're getting bad things. Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe we have to fix something. Think of this scenario like this. There's a man who goes and he is... Um, he is, you know, in a very stressful meeting. And he sees the meeting's not going anywhere. He's like, he's like, you know what, guys, let's close the meeting. I need some fresh air. Give me, you know, you know, let's let's you know, let's re you know resume this tomorrow. And he goes and he says, you know, he leaves his everything. He says he's three floors from the uh, from the roof. He's gonna take up some fresh air up on the roof. He goes, he gets up to the roof, he goes, I don't know, he smokes, whatever that is that he does. And he relaxes, he looks at the beautiful view from the, you know, this mini skyscraper that he is. And he goes and he decides he's relaxed. He's going to go back down. Now, as he was waking up, he noticed that the you know the top three floors above, which means the bottom three floors. He was on the fourth floor from the top. The top three floors they were all under construction. So he was like, "Oh, oh Hashem, this is going to be great. No one's going to bother me. I'm going to be up there. It's going to be great." He gets to the door handle. He's going to go back in. He feels rejuvenated and it's locked. 
And he's like, no, 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 no. You know, like in your mind, you're like, no, 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 no. You know, you see everything happening. Like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. And he starts banging. He's like, hey, open up, open up. But he's, he realizes it's for the top three floors. No one's even there. It's construction. And he's like, he's like, so he reaches for his cell phone, and his cell phone is in his other pocket in the coat and, and downstairs. And he's like, you have got to be kidding me. He's like, can this day get any more worse? And he goes, and he's not knowing what to do. So he goes over to the ledge. It wasn't that bad of a meeting. He didn't jump. And he looks down. <laughs> And he starts screaming at people downstairs. It's like, hey, you know, like, come up. I'm locked. I'm locked. He's screaming, help, help, help. No one, it was probably New York, the story happened. No one's looking up, you know. Second day, you see help. You cross the street, you know, whatever he's saying. I don't want to get involved with that. So, um, which is, by the way, not the Jewish way. Um, but again, don't be Superman. So, let's just move back to the regular topic. Okay, so now, he goes and, and he starts screaming. No one's answering. So he takes out his wallet and he starts dropping, you know, money down. He starts, you know, starts with the singles. He's Jewish guy after all. He's, uh, you know, puts, he starts throwing down his money and people see money falling down and he figures people see the money. Look where it's come from and he'll call them and be like, can you come up? And they see the money, they grab it and they run. And they take the money, they grab it and they run before the owner comes and finds it. So he's like, you have got to be kidding me. So he finishes the singles, he goes to the fives, the tens, the twenties, the fifties, the hundred. Soon he's out of money. He's like, these people are crazy. He's like, what's going on? And he starts screaming, nothing's doing. He saw from the construction, there were some pebbles, you know, little, little rocks over there. He takes a rock and he drops one rock, you know, down. Like a little bit, not to hurt anybody, just on the side. A rock falls down. You know, this one person gets up. like, are you, are you crazy? You're trying to kill me over here? What's going on over here? And he's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. Can you come and open up for me? Can you open up the door? And all of a sudden, the guy comes and opens up the door. And so to us in life. God sends us money, all the good things, we'll grab it and run. Be like, oh, do you know, did, you know, do you ever thank God for the business deal? Do you ever thank God for the shidduch that you made? Do you ever say, oh, no, no, no. I speak to this guy, he's like, come on, you know, Rabbi, I could get any girls, I'm the smoothest talker, I tell you, I can get whoever I want. Um, like, so they don't even bother to thank God for something that they send them a wife. They don't even bother, to, like, I'm the best businessman, are you kidding me? I could close any deal. Um, so you don't even bother. But all of a sudden, everything good is coming out, all of a sudden one bad thing happens, you look up, but God, why? For all the good, you know, you don't bother with that. But one time bad, something bad happens, you start looking up. And that's very unfortunate. If God wants to take your attention, if you don't get the attention when he's sending you the good, he's going to have to send you some pebbles down to look up. You know, you think of the scenario like this. You wake up in the morning. That's great. You woke up. That's really nice. Not everybody gets to wake up in the morning. You were able to brush your teeth. That's also great. You have running water. You're able to take a shower. That's also amazing. You're able to go and you're able to eat. You're able to pray. You're able to go and you're able to get have clothes. You have a roof over your head. You have heat. So far, pretty good morning so far, right? And then you go and then you have, you get into your car, your nice heated car with the heated steering wheels and the heated seats and the heated whatever, and, and everything is, and you start driving, listening to some relaxing classical music or a shiro Torah, depending on who you are, and you go and you start traveling in the road. You travel in the world, everything is great, you're drinking your nice cappuccino, frappuccino, alpuccino, whatever it is that you're drinking, <laughs> and you're driving. As you're driving, you're going over there, and suddenly, you get a flat tire. You get a flat tire. What is the first... God, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't understand God. Be like, hold on a second. Now, I don't wish a flat tire on anybody. It's one of the worst things I can have. We all know. It's like a paper cut. It's like more brutal than like breaking a foot. You know? It's like very, very serious. So... You go over there, you don't want this on anybody, but you have all this, all this. did you ever be like, okay, God, you know what? And then you ask the person, how was your day? Terrible. I showed up five minutes late to work because I got a flat tire. I took a there until they came. It was ridiculous. I had to wait outside over there. You know, I didn't even, you know, do anything. And so, you know, like, are you serious complaining right now? Like, this is the same idea when people are on a plane and they complain, how was the flight? Oh, you know, I was sitting next to somebody who hasn't showered in at least a day, you know, and it was a little bit shaky. And I, I tell us every time, I'm like, you're flying on a missile. You're flying on a missile. On, and you're, you're complaining because it was a little shaky? I'm sorry, Your Majesty. You know, like, oh, you know, like it was a little bit shaky. The, 
you know, when we look at this, we don't appreciate it. We don't thank God for all the good. Then God sometimes has to send us something bad in order for us to appreciate the good. Now, God is a God of loving kindness. Chesed. There is two types of kindness that we know. There is a kindness of just giving, 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 giving. And then there's discipline. Discipline is also a kindness. It's also a chesed. You think of like this scenario. You have um, a kid who is playing in the street, right? And you're sitting over there, and the story actually works better from a man's perspective, because men are more lazier. A man is sitting there drinking cold beer on a hot day outside, watching his kid, you know, play with whatever, a rock and a mouse, whatever it is. So they, you know, that they're <laughs> and he's sitting over there, and he's drinking his beer, and he's like, listen, you know, I don't know, Sylvia, I don't know why he named this kid Sylvia, but the kid's name is Sylvia, uh, you know, nothing wrong with Sylvia, but whatever. Um, he's like, listen, um, Sylvie, he's like... Uh, you know, don't play with the mouse. Mommy's not going to be happy of it as he takes a swig of his beer. And then he goes and, you know, she, she's, she's going and she's playing around and she's running around and, uh, you know, drinking beer, enjoying the, the sun. And suddenly she gets close to the street. And this is where things happen in slow motion, right? And it's like, you know, she's getting close to the street and she's like, Sylvia, 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 no, 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 and she's like looking and she's like, how far can I take this? You know, like, and she's going to be like, and he's like, stop, 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 come, 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 come. And it, then she's like getting one step in, you know, and this is where everything goes in slow motion. He's like, no, no. And then he gets up and he starts running to her and he takes her hand and she grabs her hand as she's, as she's about to go into the middle of the street and throws her back to the sidewalk. Meanwhile, a car just zooms fast by and she sits on the floor and she starts crying. And she's crying. She's like, why do bad things happen to good people? She's a very intelligent young woman. So she's like, um, when you go into this, when you go into this scenario, are you going to say, well, listen, she's, uh, you know, like, you know, she, are you serious? I'm like, he just saved your life. It's the same scenario. This is the more famous scenario that's given in this. You see a little kid that's holding a knife. Now, the same scenario, the lazy father, right, sitting on there drinking a beer, whatever he's doing. And, uh, you know, explain with the knife. He's like, what you doing, darling, with the knife? Give it to daddy. Come on. But the recliner is really comfortable, so you don't want to move. You're like, come on, come on, just, just bring it to daddy. Bring, bring the knife to daddy. And she's like, no, no, no. You know, the cheek to the shoulder thing, you know, like. Um, and she's like, no, my knife. Um, and then she spots, she spots sort of like, a sort of like a key in a keyhole situation. She sees a uh, electric socket, and she's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> I think I could open up the wall. Um, so she goes, and she starts going very slowly to the electric socket. And the same scenario, the father jumps out of the chair, smacks the knife out of her hand, and she starts crying, why do bad things happen to good people? But the answer is, it's like, no, 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 this is really good for you. You would have gotten electrocuted, and daddy would have gotten into big trouble. The, you know, there is, this is all really good. Don't say that it's a bad thing. When we say God, when we say our God, it's Avinu Shabbat Shemayim. We're known as God. God is not, you know, like, you know, the, you look at the, you know, the, the, the secular world. How do they picture God? Picture God like an old man with a long white flowing beard. Maybe he's got long hair, a little bit bald in the front, driving a red sports car. Maybe he's got a few girls on the side. You know, and this is God, you know, traveling on the clouds. This is what the secular world that God is not a grandfather, like a really strong, muscular old man. That's not what God is. God is... You're right there. <laughs> yeah, it's very common. I remember I'm opening up a newspaper in the in the. You okay? There? Should we take a break? Should we take a break over here? Oh my god, I'm shooting uh. like a three-year-old. Okay. Uh. No, I'm not. You're shooting like a three-year-old. No, no, actually, that's my. All right. We're okay. Okay. So now. Just so everybody knows, there's no alcohol being served over here. It's just purely vodka, water. Um, okay. <laughs> the, okay, so now, 
the when we say Avinu Shabashamayim, our father in heaven, we say our father, not our grandfather. What is the difference between a father and a grandparent? When you go, thank you, when you go to a grandparent, the second that you go to a grandparent, they're like, okay, here's some snack, here's some chocolate, here's some gum, don't show daddy or mommy. And, you know, it's like 7 a.m. and the kid's like, you know, face, like one side of the face is like chocolate, the other side is chewing gum at the same time. And uh, um, the second that the kid does something bad and needs to be disciplined, what happens? Daddy, come over here. You know what you're something? You know, you know, you know this over here? It's... Uh, a grandparent's all about love. It's only about love, only give the good, there's no bad. But a parent has to do both. It has to give the good, but it also has to discipline. But the discipline comes out of love. We know now our father, Avinu Shabashmaim, he's our father in heaven. If he's sending you something bad that's happening, unfortunately, and I don't wish it on anybody, but if something bad happens, realize that there's a purpose for it. It's a discipline. It's coming out of love. Not because God hates you. Not because you're a terrible person. Well, maybe you are a terrible person. I don't know. But that's not the reason. God actually goes and he loves you and he's trying to discipline you. And this is what we're trying, uh, and this is what he's doing over here with all that suffering. And we know in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 101, says that Rabbi Kiva says the Chavivim Yisuin, that suffering isn't actually good. Why is suffering, why is suffering good? He says that he brings the story of the king Menashe, who was an evil, wicked king, and he, you know, spread a lot of idolatry, and he had a very, very holy and righteous father. And he ruled for 55 years. And he ruled the evil the entire time, and only at the end, when God brought him through some suffering, all of a sudden then he came and returned to God. So we see over here, some people, when it's just good, you don't do anything. All of a sudden, God gives you a reason to start looking for him. Then all of a sudden, you're going to go and you're going to turn to God. So that's what we say, Chavivim Yisurim, Yisurim is good. That is answer number two. Number two is, again, that it's a wake-up call. It could be a wake-up. If something bad, you know, the Gemara, the Chazal tell us that, if someone sees that bad things are happening, he has to look into his deeds. Maybe something's going on over here. Number three is negligence. It says, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a good question, but also bad things happen to stupid people and silly people and idiotic people. If someone's going to go and he's going to take a roll braid and he's going to roll braid off the roof because he wants to get a video camera to put over there, and then he falls down and he breaks the place, like, why do bad things happen to good people? He's like, relax, buddy. All right? I'm not saying you're not good, but you're definitely not the brightest of the bunch. And that's why bad things happen because you, you, you know, you took a bathtub and you just, you know, took it off from the, you know, from the roof of your house. So, you know, the, the, you know, like somebody goes and, and, you know, drinks and then he drives. And then he gets into an accident. Why do bad things happen to me? No, you're, you're, you're an idiot. You don't do that. You don't do those things. You get pulled over and then you get a DUI. I'm like, yeah, you're a fool. You know, so bad things happen also to fools. Bad things happen to good people, but also to fools. So it's also negligence. Let's go, let's move on a little bit faster because it's getting late. Number four. The, um, the, why do bad things happen to good people? There is sometimes there is a need for, uh, for somebody to pay for a previous sin. Let's say you did a certain sin. You didn't do chaval. You did do chaval. You didn't do it fully. You have to pay for that. What is it better? Is it better to pay for it over here, or is it better to pay for it in the next world? Well, it depends. Think of it a scenario like this: so you go and you want to open up a business, and you get and you you know it's a large business. You need a five million dollars startup loan, and some guy goes has a lot of money, decides he's going to give you five million dollars. He writes you a check five million dollars. Six months go by, you lose every single penny. And more. So you go bankrupt. And um, you, you, you don't even have the guy who knows that you know, you're not able to pay back, but you didn't have the audacity to see him. And months go by, you don't see him. Long story short, one time you're walking in the street, you see him. You try to avoid it, but you realize it's been too close, and you see him. So you go over there, and you're like, you're, you're like sweating inside and outside. You know, your eyes are sweating if you're a man, and for your woman, it's called crying. Um, the, he goes, 
and he says, um, and, and he goes over to the guy and he says, listen, he says, I am so sorry. I, you know, like, I, I can't, I don't even have the, I'm so embarrassed to come. And the guy says, listen, don't worry about it. I know I was going into it. You know, listen, I thought it was a good deal. He says, it's okay, don't worry about it. Don't, Boch Hashem, I'm okay. So he says, uh, but he says, listen, he says, I don't have my wallet on me. The rich guy tells this guy. Yeah. And he says, um, if you buy me a burger, we'll call it even. Um, he's like, you want me to buy you a, a $5 burger and we'll call the $5 million loan uh, even? He'd be like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's okay. Just buy me the burger and we'll call it. Maybe a soda, you know, soda, maybe a small soda. You know, $6. <laughs> so um, he's like, what, what would be a normal response? He'd be like, listen, I'll give you two fifty. dollars hey, I'll give you 3 bucks. all right? I'm not going to give you, no, you crazy? The guy's going to be like, you want fries with that? You know, like, what uh, What else could I get you? You want all, could I buy you the store, maybe? You know, like, anything, like, I owe you so much, and this is all they want, of course you'll do it. This is literally paying back pennies on the dollar. Someone owes you $5 million, you give him back $5, it's worth almost nothing. Now, when God pays someone back in this world for suffering, it's pennies on the dollar compared to what you're getting in the next world. The next world, the suffering is much, much worse. Not that you want it, and not that we ask for suffering. We don't want it. But when it happens already, realize that you're getting paid back right now, pennies on the dollar. You are able to avoid that whole thing if you do tshuva, and you fresh ben ma'asab, like we said, but if you don't know that you're getting right now pennies on the dollar. Another answer, which we're up to number five now, is it's an opportunity for growth. You know, Abraham, when God tested Abraham that he should bind his son, his only son, Yitzchak, on the altar, did God know what, what Abraham, God knew what was going to be the results of the test. He knew the results. So why is he testing? If he knew the results, why is he testing? And the answer is he's not testing for, for, uh, for, uh, you know, for God. He's testing for Abraham. When we get put in test, we get to realize our potential. The more, the, the, the stronger the test is and you're able, you're like, wow, I accomplished that? And you're like, I can do anything now. The more that you, think of it as you're not, you're not testing for God, but you're testing for yourself to realize your potential. You, you know, think of it like this. You have, um, let's say you go and you want to exercise. So you exercise and you start, you're going to go run. If you run with weights on your feet, you know, you strap weights on your feet and you run and run with weights and then you take those weights off, you'll feel like, you know, you'll like zoom past by. Like, your speed is unbelievable because you put yourself into a test and once you're able to get that, in another situation, everything is easy. So we get tested sometimes, is, we get tested through suffering is, as it is a uh, test. Which we also understand, this is on the flip side, nobody really asked this question, but you should also ask this question, is why do good things happen to bad people? That's also a question. People usually ask this, but on somebody else. Be like, that guy is bad, how come he's doing good? How do you know he's bad? It's like no one ever come. I've never had this. Be like, you know, I don't understand. He says, I'm a very bad person and God gives me good things. Why do good things happen to bad people? I'm like, I, I've never had that scenario come. Why? Because everyone thinks that they're good. No one thinks that they're considered, even if they're selling drugs to kids. They think that they're good, you know, they're building the economy. Um, so, or they're giving stuck out. Whatever it is that they think that they're doing is okay. But when you go and when you see somebody, somebody who's bad and evil and he gets good, why is that? How come is that? Is it possible that he did ever something good in his life? 100%. Even the most wicked people, they do something good in their life. They did something. God pays them back in this world. So you don't have to pay it over there. The source for this is Devarim chapter 7 verse 10. God pays to the enemy, to the wicked people in their face in order to destroy them. Get paid it right now, right here, and you forget about the next world. Sometimes also, they get all this money, but they don't even use it. They're like stingy, they can't even use it, they can't appreciate it, they're all paranoid. Oh, they're only getting the money, this is by the way, Chovat al-Vavot brings this down. He only brings all this money, only why? That he could inherit it to his righteous son. Or he goes and somebody else, you know, gets it after him. He collects all this money, he loses it all in a business deal, and it goes to somebody righteous. So God, you know, moves money around. The idea also that, um, the idea also that evil exists, the, the you know, Okay. No, no, go. No, no, I know. The, um, by the way, I apologize. I'm going fast now because we have to. It's 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 getting late. So, the what? Why is it? Why does the evil have to exist? 
Why does it have to exist at all? And the answer is, if there is no evil, if evil would not exist, you would not have free will. You won't have the ability to choose anything. The, if you would look, if every time you eat a pork, if you eat a piece of pork, a slice of pork, a piece of pork, a pork, if you eat something that's non-kosher, um, and the second that you eat it, lightning shoots from, you know, and, and you just get like, like zapped. You know, like every time you take a bite. So who, is anybody going to eat? No. The second time you light a cigarette on Shabbat, you know, the, the cigarette blows up in your face. You're gonna, no one's gonna, you're gonna lose free will. You're not gonna have, no one's gonna wanna do it. If you see every single righteous person have the perfect multi-billion dollar life without any issues, everything is 100% perfect to the end, you're gonna lose a free will. Of course it's gonna be like that. So evil has to be created in order to, that, that everything is, is in balance. In order for that to work, there has to be an opportunity for someone to be a Moses and also a Hitler in this world. You have to have those both opportunities in order for free will to work. And even when God makes a miracle, he also always makes the miracle in a way that you could uh, associate maybe it was nature. Even when the sea split, when the, when the sea split, it says that the, there was a, a strong wind that blew all night. This is in Shemot, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 21. That a strong, why did a strong wind blow all night? Why did it have to, cause then the people that, you know, the, the atheists or whatever it is are gonna say, be like, you know why it split? No, it was just a, you know, a freak of nature. And the Jews happened to just be in the right place at the right time. And that's why it split. So, we're wrapping up with, uh, you know, it's running a little bit. We'll finish off with one, with one, uh, uh, with one thought. With one, with the question is, is that if God is all good, and like we started, and God is all powerful, and God is all knowing, that means then God doesn't have to make us suffer. Now, if God doesn't have to make us suffer, then why doesn't He just make a solution that achieves all benefit without the necessary suffering? Right, I've gotten this question numerous times. Yeah, this, this question is very, very important and very imperative, and we're going to be answering it. Very, you have to stay, you have to focus for this for this answer because it's going to, it's going to, it's going to go in a systematic fashion, um, and it's not a quick answer. So the question, you have to understand the question because the question is: If God is all good, God is all knowing, God is all powerful, then why doesn't God just make everything? Why, why, you know, just, if God can do it, then why doesn't God do it? So to understand that, we have to think about what is the purpose. What is the purpose of the suffering? And can God achieve that purpose without the suffering? Now, can he? We should say yes, because God can do anything. So this makes this question all that more, if God can achieve even the purpose of the suffering without the suffering, then let's just get over there. So we go to Adam. When Adam was created, and it didn't rain until he prayed for rain. Now why not? Why not just give God, let it pray, for, let, let it just rain whenever it needs to rain. A similar scenario, you have a kid that goes, that travels abroad. In the orthodox circles, you know, the kids go to, let's say, to Israel to learn, either the seminary or to yeshiva, and the parent sends money every single month. Now, if the parent said, listen, here's, I don't know, here's, you know, 10 grand, whatever it is, 500, 5 grand, whatever it is, all you're spending money for the year, I don't want to talk to you. Here's the, here's the, the kid's not going to call and be like, hey, you know, mom, how's everything? Maybe if it's a mama's boy, maybe they'll, they'll do that. But otherwise, they'll be like, listen, there's nothing that I need to speak to my dad. I got all the money that he needs. There's nothing to talk about. But if every month they, you know, they, they have to send the money, then the kid will be like, hey, you know, how's everything? How's the family? Yeah, everything's okay, okay. You know, it's like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Uh, can you please send the money? You know, like, uh, you know, just reminding. So you have this connection that builds up over here. God put Adam into the world. And one of the reasons, and we're not, we're bizarre time, we'll speak about the purpose of, of the life, the purpose of us being in this world. One of them is a connection to God. There's a connection that we have to create with God. If God would just give us everything, then there would not be a connection. If there was, we only good, and you will have a never a need to speak to God or talk to God, there will never be a connection. We had this, you know, in the, in the beginning of time, where it rained once in 40 years, in the, right before, before the Mabul. So, you have all these, this idea, the connection uh, goes away. And besides that, you will also lose a drive to do good. 
It's everything is always good. Then like, okay, what's the difference? You just live life. You just enjoy life. Everything is enjoying. There's no drive to do as good as when you see bad. Because when you see bad, it drives you to do a little bit more good. You see people that they go through these like third world countries or they see, you know, like sponsor an African kid for like a dollar sixty four a day, you know, and they show like a scrawny African kid, you know, in the, in the corner with, you know, like, you know, please help me, you know, like, and, and you feel like, okay, now you see the bad, you want to do the good. You see what the world is going through, you see you want to do the good. So if you don't have any of the bad, then the drive for good will also decrease as well. Now, can God still make it happen? Can God still make the connection, make it all good, and do it everything? And the answer is, yes, he can, because he can do anything. So then why doesn't he? So then we have to take it another step further. So you follow me so far, the way that we're working on this? Okay. Let's say, let's speak about money for a second. The, can God make you a multi-billionaire? Answer is yes, he can. And can God make it that you'll be a multi-billionaire and it'll be for your best? And the answer is yes, he can. But let's step back for a second. When you're doing a mitzvah, the fact that you let him make a blessing, do you get the same reward as somebody else who makes a blessing? Same blessing, same food, same room. Do you make get Absolutely not. Because the reward is not just the mitzvah that you do. Everything comes into consideration. Your emotional state, your psychological state, your you know physical well-being, your tiredness, your annoyance. There's like there's so many factors. Your upbringing, what you're religious, what you're secular. One get, there's everything comes into play for the reward of one mitzvah. God doesn't just it doesn't just go based off action. It also goes based off the effort that you put into the mitzvah that you put into the good deed over there. So now when you're when you're going and when you're doing one deed. Now imagine. You're doing the same mitzvah as a regular person versus the same mitzvah as a multi-billionaire. Now, and again, we're assuming this, that when you're doing the mitzvah as a regular person, the reward is a thousand times more. And when you're doing the mitzvah as a multi-billionaire, you you get the reward, but the reward is at level 10. So over here you have a level 10, and over here you have a level of a thousand. Now let's take that through your, your entire life. Throughout your entire life, imagine you're going through through your life as a multi-billionaire, which will be great. Everything is great. You're doing the same exact mitzvot as you would have done if you would have done regular. Nothing changes. But one thing changes is all your effort and emotion and everything that you put into it. Now, as a multi-billionaire, had you would have gotten the, you know, all these rewards, you would have been of level, let's argumentatively say, level 10. Of course, you know, the seven levels, we're not speaking about it, but let's just use it, level 10. Had you would have done it as a regular person, you would have been the level 1,000. Now you ask, what was it? Was it good for you or was it bad for you? Now we know that this world is a temporary world. We know that this world is only a, you know, 120 years. What are we dealing with over here? Afterwards, it's all eternity. So you have one option over here and you have one option over there. Now I'm not saying, God forbid, we should all be multi-billionaires, you know. Amen. Oh, there we go. Okay. So, Amen. see, like men work a lot differently. The second I say we should all be in money, 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 you know, they right away in the beginning. So, the, but you have over here this idea that there is difference that not only you're putting only God into the factor over here. What about you? Says there's a big difference over here. What about you? Now let's take it a step further. Can God make it that you'll be a multi-billionaire, have all the you know, and it'll be for the best, and you'll get the same reward in the next world? Can right? Why not? Can you do everything right? Why not? But it, he could give you that. But then something else. In order for that for that to happen, in order for you to get the same reward, there has to be the same level of emotions, intellectual, and that. So he could do that. He could give you the money, but then something else has to go. It could be health. It could be children's health. It could be shalom bayit. It could be and it could be a, a numerous other things. That, you know, emotional health. It could be so many different things. So now you have an option: either the money or the thing that you whatever it is that you want, or the other the other option. Who is to say? that this will be better for you and that. And in fact, we know that God does everything for the best. And God loves us. And the fact that God gave you this test means that out of the, all the possibilities of you getting the maximum possible that you can get, this is the best that you can get it. Because God knew it. Now, let's take it a step further. 
But can God still do it? Can God still give you everything without all the bad, without all the anything else, and still give you everything that you want to have a perfect life? And the answer is yes. But it's not depending on God, it depends on you. Can you become that person that will make God be able to give you everything and still be it on the same level as you would have had if you would have not have had it? Can you be, and this is why, this is when we circle back to the beginning, if someone sees that he has bad things happening to himself, look into your actions. There is a reason why the bad is happening to you. If you're able to go and extract that bad and, and fix it, then the bad goes away. You do have the ability. The question is what is why can't God make a solution that achieves all benefits without the necessary suffering? He can. And it's all up to you. You have the ability to do that. Change your ways. There's a reason why things are happening. Become a better person. Do the things that you need to do. And then there will be no reason for God not to be able to give you, to give you everything that you need to. So while this question is a great intellectual question, the real answer is, very briefly, is you can do it. Stop blaming everything on God. Do something for yourself. Stop complaining that why bad things happen to good people. Become a good person and bad things won't happen. You won't see it. You won't see it even in the, even in the beginning. So now... We have to, we have to, um, we have, we'll finish up with this, with this thought. The, the idea that we don't know the alternative. Um, you know, because you could say like, well, why did God give me this test? This test would have been better. How do you know that would have been better? How do you know that you would have been survived better if you would have had an emotional test instead of a, psycho, instead of a, a physical test? Or a money test instead of a bite test? Or a children test instead of a spouse test? How do you know you could do any better in any other test? The proof of this is prayer. Prayer, when, when people pray, I get this very often, be like, what's the point? I don't get an answer. I don't get answered. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I don't know why I'm clapping, but he prayed, and you still didn't get answered. The person unfortunately passed away. God doesn't listen to my prayers. There's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no point to pray. And I say, how do you know? How do you know God didn't listen to your prayer? How do you know that this person was supposed to die, you know, six months ago, and you extended the life for six months? How do you know that this, per- you know, that you gave the, you took the pain away with your pain, with your, with your prayer? How do you know that this prayer didn't go and give the family the, the ability to overcome the suffering? How do you know that your prayer didn't work? Do you know the alternative? Absolutely not. A hundred percent of the prayer work. Every single prayer works. The question is, just because God didn't answer it the way that you worded it, does not mean that the prayer didn't work. The prayer worked, but we don't see the full picture. We don't know the alternative. The idea behind all this is that nothing in life is linear. You can't say A plus B equals C. We don't know the full picture. The real answer to this question is why do bad things happen to good people? We don't know. We don't know. We, we cannot say, you know why? Because this person did a sin when he was three years old and in a previous life. And that's why he's doing it up there. Which, by the way, another answer is, is also the problems that if somebody came back in a reincarnation from a previous life, and sometimes they have to pay for, for, those, uh, for those you know sins also. But the real answer is we don't know. We don't know, the, the, we don't know why bad things happen to us, why bad things apparently happen to good people. First of all, you should also know that when people ask you why do bad things happen to good people, you have to say what is bad and who is good. What makes you think you're good and what makes you think that is, that is bad? The, 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 essence, the essence of it all is that God loves us. God loves every single person. And when God's sending you something, it's for your best. It may look like it's not. It may look like it's troubling and you're going through a hard time, but know that it is 100% for your best. You may not see it now. You may not see it in 100 years. It may only be after 120. But one thing you'll know when you get up there, it'll be like a libel. It'll be like, oh, you're awesome. <laughs> you're good. you good, you. You know, because we don't see the full picture. We don't see the full picture. Maybe we'll end off with, uh, I don't know what number we're up to over here. There's like one liner. Six, seven, eight, whatever it is. The... The answer, for the, the, the final answer that I'm going to give, this is based off uh, the Gemara Shabbat, page 55, 55 and 56 in Shabbat. The, 
you know, you look at people that are righteous, and they, they also go through suffering. And a person, so the Gemara says that if a person has the ability to prevent somebody from doing something bad, and he doesn't, then he gets part of the sin, or she gets part of the sin. So if you had the ability to prevent someone from sinning, and you didn't, then you get part of, Now again, this was a whole topic in itself. We gave it about rebuke, like a whole class on this. Um, but that un- unfortunately... People are held accountable for sins that they could have prevented as well. So why do bad things happen to good people? You may see yourself as you've never done a thing wrong in your life. Maybe you could have helped somebody else. Maybe you could have prevented somebody else from doing something bad. We'll finish off uh, over here. We'll open up to uh, any questions. No questions? No questions yet? No, I can't. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you answered my question. Uh, on why bad things happen to people. It's a question that's always bothered me because I've seen a lot of bad things. I work with children who unfortunately have um, had bad things happen to them and I, my job is to try and fix them. But I don't like the answer. Which one? Okay. But well, not all of them. I mean, they're pretty good answers. But, I mean, it still doesn't make it, like, fulfill. Like, okay... You can never, if someone's going through, let me, let's just be clear on this. If someone's going through bad, bad things in their life, um, don't be like them. You know why you're going through a bad thing? Because you were an evil person in a previous life. Um, go best of luck. You know, next please. Uh, you, you can't, you don't say that. And the truth is, we don't know. We don't know that, that. But then the question is, if you don't like the answer like that, then I'll ask you like this. Um, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, and you can just say pass on the question. Do you believe in God? Yes. Okay, do you believe God is good? Do you believe God loves everybody? Yes. Okay. So then there's no question. <laughs> the question, remember, the question is really an emotional question. It's not an intellectual question because we can't begin to understand it. The question really, you know, stems from an emotional being. Like, you see somebody, especially when you're working with children, you know, let's say they've been an abusive parent, you know, like, oh, this child, such a cute little kid. Like, why did he have to go through all these things? We don't know. We don't know the whole scenario. You don't know because of that maybe one year that he had to go through all that suffering. He's going to build a, an organization that's going to prevent hundreds of thousands from kids from doing that. You don't know the fact why? that... Like, why? For what? Like, the organization is great, but it didn't have to happen for the organization. Like, you mean it happened? didn't have to have evil people in the world that exactly. created that? Okay, but if you, the people has free will. People, if there's no free will, <laughs> if there's no free will, then, you know, then, then there's no point of being here. Which we'll sometimes speak about in this series about free will. If free will doesn't exist, then there's no purpose. There is a purpose to the suffering. We may not see it, we may not know it, but there is a purpose for it. And we realize, just like I said before, just in order for free will to work, there has to be an ability to create a Moses and there has to be an ability to create a Hitler. It's just the way that the cookie crumbles. Is that a saying? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I just, yes. Oh yeah, it is. Okay. Did I say it right? Or whatever, yes. it doesn't matter. Yes. Oh, look at that. Wow. Awesome. It, it's, it's, not, it's not like, hey, tough luck. This is the way that it's going to be. But we have to realize, and, it, and it's not, by the way, for somebody who's going through a very difficult time, it's not an easy thing to say like, oh, everything's for the best. It's a very high level to go and be like, you know what, God, everything's for the best. And you should really work on it. Like, when you stub your toe, if you just, ah, bo Hashem, you know, like instead of saying other words, if you just bless God for, you know, right away, it becomes second nature to you. You can work on it, and it becomes second nature to you. I know people that the second bad things happen, they're like, you know, thank God. You know, like without it, you know, like as they're getting punched. Yeah, thank God. You know, both. You know, it, it's, you build, it's a mentality. It's an outlook of life. If you have a certain outlook of life, then you don't sweat anything. If you have an outlook of a very critical, you know, like, but why? But why? But why? 
and be like, you'll never be satisfied with anything. With anything. You'll always have problems, you'll always have questions. And it's not a problem to have those questions. Uh, and it's not a problem to have those issues and problems to bring them up with. But when you're dealing with them, you have to know that you're, you're seeing the scenario from a very, very narrow-minded vision. You see it just where you are right now. <clears throat> you don't know what this person was in a previous life. You don't know what this person, what reward this person is going to get for doing what he's doing. Maybe in, in heaven, they say, listen, I want this scenario because this is going to get me to the, you know, the highest level in heaven. And, and the guy chose it. And they did. The, the, the kids, you know, all the people that unfortunately go through suffering, they choose, they choose it. And by the way, it's not, you shouldn't be like, okay, well, I'm not going to pray for you. You chose this. No, you should pray for them and help them and try to get them as much as you can out of their situation. But whatever it is that it happened, it is for the best. Uh, uh, no. Sorry, she distracted me. No, I was listening to you. It's her fault. That's okay. That's <laughs> no, a problem. It's but I'm saying. Please tell me about an accident in Las Vegas. That we're nowhere near. So, um, but does that answer your question a little bit? Can I ask a question? Yeah. Yes. No, no, no. Question. The Rebbe was saying at the end that you're part of a sin if you don't stop it. So if you could say that the kids are in short. What the, I know that's a whole lecture within itself. What obligation do we have? If you have the ability to... Uh, like I'm saying, if you see yeah. someone, I'm not going to make a like, Right, so... Or if I see one of my parents, whatever, doing something that shouldn't be watching... So, right, right. So the way... that's a whole lecture. Right, so in short is, first of all, if you have the ability to stop it. You see a guy that you've never seen before, a woman walking in the street and she's not modest, and be like... You know, modesty police, you know, like, you know, like, hey, 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 you're going to go burn. You know, like, no, you, you know, you do it to people that you're close with. To, to you know, um, to people that, that you have the ability. It says, Amitecha is someone you're close to. Somebody you have the ability that you're going to go and they're going to listen. To go around and saying that to everybody else, you know, that, that's not your responsibility. But if you have a close friend and they're going through a certain scenario, then you say, listen, you know, I really care about you and it's, I'm saying this only because I love you. You're doing something wrong. Then you have the ability. If you'll be like, so tell me all about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, all the sin. You know, you, that's not, you're edging the person on and that's the opposite way. When you're dealing with parents and when you're dealing with other things, that's a very, very iffy, a black, it's not black and white. You have to be very careful. And what, depending on the situation, depending on how you say it, you have to tread very carefully in, in, those, in, in those things. Because... Parents sometimes will, you know, especially if somebody is a Baal and the parents are not religious, they're like, oh, you think you're better than that? It's going to turn a hatred towards Judaism. So it's a, there's a lot of factors, and it's a case-by-case uh, situation. So if there's anything, then somebody should go ask their local Orthodox rabbi on what particular case. But in, the essence of it is, if you have the ability to prevent somebody to do it, then you have, and the Gemara Shabbat says that if you had the ability to prevent your household from sinning and you didn't, you're responsible for the household. If you have the ability to prevent your city from sinning and you didn't, you're responsible for the whole city. So it's it, depending on your ability. And, and the Gemara also brings down to what extent do you tell the person to stop sinning. And it, it, it brings down like till the person hits you, spits on you, curses you. There's, there's like, it, like, it's literally very far. And obviously you have to take the scenario, you know, speak to you know, your local Orthodox rabbi and say like, you know, what should I do? How should I do it? Because don't go, a lot of people just go based on their anger. and be like, ah, you're sick, you're evil, you're going to go and you burn, you're going to, you know, like you're not doing anybody any good. Uh, you know, you have to do it in a calm state of mind. It has to be, you know, intellectually, not emotionally. And it has to be done the right way. How do you know? So, there's some people, some, you know, you know, like, this is a lesson that I learned from, my, from my, myself. I, um, when I uh, started giving classes years ago, I, um, there were certain guys that came to my class, and I was like, you know, one rule that I did is I never kick anybody out. Never kick, no matter how, 
this is, you know, a woman's class. Everyone's very well-behaved. You know, I have some guys that, you know, they're, you know, not especially when, you know, my, let's say, Friday night class and they have a little bit too much to drink. It, uh, it gets a little bit, you know, feisty. And there was one, there was a few people that in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, why are they even here? Like, I don't see any good coming out. Like, nothing. Like, just disturbing. Just disturbing. But my policy was I can't. I don't throw anybody out. You know, we'll, we'll work with, the, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, and I, and I ask big rabbis and it all says, never, never, ever. You never, ever throw anybody out. So, and, and it's not like, it's not a class. I mean, you're not, you don't have to be here. You're all adults. You're coming in here because you want to be here, because you want to learn. So, um, you know, I'm not like I'm pushing this kid now on the street. He's not a kid. He's, a, you know, an adult. The, um, I remember this once. There was a guy that came to my house. Years ago, I used to put, uh, um, you know, like whatever. There would be drinks that you could, you know, a little bit of a stronger drink. There's one guy who came. Of course, everybody's over age, you know, like everything's kosher, like in all aspects of it. There's one guy who came for the first time. And after that, no more. No more of those things. He takes a bottle of alcohol, fills it up to the top of an, what is this, eight ounces? And then he drinks it like he's drinking water. <laughs> there was no even afterwards. And he just like put it down. And I'm like, I'm feeding addictions over here. You know, like this is a problem. I knew that, this, and it, it was right as I anticipated. It was a whole, there was a big, you know, you know problem, you know, that, came, that issued right after that. So, but one thing I did realize is that I never kick anybody out. And the biggest surprise is the people that I thought will accomplish the least and gain the least gain the most. They're the ones that end up coming, becoming better, and they're coming, and they're texting, and they're asking, and they became... The people that I thought will have no choice, it just shows you my limited knowledge. You think that you know everything, that they wouldn't listen. There's this person that I thought will not listen, ended up becoming one of the best. So you never know. When you say somebody's not going to listen, you really don't know. Even if you told them before. Like, I've, I've spoken to people, you know, and, and like, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. And one time I did, and they are like, you know what, okay, I think you're right. I was like, really? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, you know, like, come me off guard. Like, you never, you don't really know until you don't, you're not in that person's mind. The person could be putting, you know, a facade, putting up a, a you know, a, you know, a front of, of becoming all tough and, you know, that. But deep down, they, they really do want to, people do want to do good. Any other questions? All camera? Any other questions on camera? No other questions? No? Okay, Hazakabahuf. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.